talking to, to, to somebody and, and uh, they, they, had, had, they, they had spent time in, in other uh, religions and other places. And uh, if I could, without trying to disparage uh, any religion, I would tell you that they were deeply involved in, in idol worship and false gods and false doctrines until they stepped through an apostolic church. And this is what they said. Their first time they stepped in, they said, I've never felt God like this. And the person that they came with looked at him and said, well, that ought to tell you something. If you've been going to church all your life and this is the first time you felt God, it ought to tell you that you're in the right place because wherever God is, he will make himself known. You're not going to be able to walk out and say, I wonder if God was there. I'm convinced that God likes to make himself known in our life. Hallelujah. Um, of course, our parking lot expansion is underway. We did not have service last Wednesday night because of the things that were going on there. Hopefully this week, I, I believe if the weather and, and, and all of the material cooperates, they'll be at least starting to pour the, the, the flat part of the parking lot. They've already got the curbs and things like that. And I'm excited. And so this Sunday, uh, like tonight, and I don't know if we needed to, but tonight we were able to park on the gravel. I doubt we'll be able to do that this Sunday. So we're going to be creative in our parking. We might have to have you park off-site, and we'll shuttle you uh, in from there. We'll make it happen. Don't let that be an excuse not to come to church because you'll miss it. And, uh, but we'll, uh, we'll be, uh, I'm ready for that to be all done, and we can use it, and it'll be a good thing for our church. But... Uh, so it's been a week or so since we've had a Wednesday night service. And I had started a series, several of the uh, succeeding lessons. But boundaries do three things, and this is why boundaries are important. Boundaries are important in everything that we do. Um, they're, they're important in, in the way we drive. Aren't you glad that there are laws that say we're supposed to drive in one direction? Have any of you ever seen any videos of driving? The brother and sister Clinty are here and they are uh, uh, veteran missionaries or have been veteran. Have you ever been in a place where somehow the, the laws of the road just didn't matter and you can kind of do whatever you want to do? You ever seen those YouTube videos where it's like 17 lanes of traffic and no stoplights and nothing and if you're in the left-hand lane and you want to go across 17 lanes of traffic and turn right, you do it? Anybody ever seen those things? Aren't you glad we have boundaries? Wrong, you know, one way, wrong way, don't go there, stop, yield. Boundaries are important in every aspect of our life and so much more so in our spiritual life. Because for you and I, the thing that matters most to us should be your soul. Now, somebody could, could, could go against the boundaries and the rules of the road and they could hit us or we could do something uh, wrong and we could ignore the laws and we could ignore the boundaries and the guardrails and we could go off the road and we could lose our life and that would be tragic. I, I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But if I lose my life but my soul was saved, it's okay. But if I keep my life alive, to be redundant, but my soul is lost, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what would a man give in exchange for his soul? See, boundaries are important when it comes to our soul because that is the part of our life that is everlasting. The soul does not die. That's why the Bible says when we go to heaven, we'll get a new body because our bodies will die. 
most likely, unless the rapture comes, our bodies are going to die. They're going to bury you in the ground. The worms are going to eat you, and you're going to rot away and turn into compost. How's that for a nice, happy, joyful thing? But guess what? That doesn't matter. Your soul remains. And so boundaries are important. Boundaries define. Boundaries define. The reason your yard is the way it is and, and your property is the way it is is because there are boundaries to your yard. There was a, a survey done that they put uh, corner posts and it is uh, platted there in the county seat. And, and there you could go and say, this is my yard. It has definition. I've said it several times. The reason our states look the way that they do is because there are boundaries. Boundaries define. Also, boundaries contain. Boundaries allow what, what is, is in there to be contained. If I had water and I just poured it out, it would go everywhere. But if I pour that water into a vessel, if I put that water in a boundary of a glass, that, that glass contains it. So boundaries define, boundaries contain, and boundaries protect. Boundaries protect. And so we have talked a little bit uh, just on the, the, the principle of boundaries. That was our first lesson. The next two lessons that we did, uh, the first one was the boundaries of, what, uh, of our body, the boundaries of what we, we see, what we listen to, what we hear, what we say, what we do. There ought to be boundaries there. Then the third lesson that we went to, uh, continuing the boundaries of ourselves, we talked about the boundaries of our mind and the boundaries of our emotions. And, and I made mention that if you are, are feeling de, 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 you know, a, a depressive moment, maybe something sad is happening, it's probably good for you not to go listen to a bunch of sad music. It's probably good for you not to surround yourself by a bunch of depressive people. You've got to put boundaries around your emotions. It's vitally important. There's a, if you have your Bibles, I, I, I told you when I started this series that I did this series about five years ago in, in bits and pieces, and uh, uh, I, I was going to the next stage of, or the next lesson that I had created was boundaries in marriage, and we may get to that, but the more I thought about it, the more the Lord directed me into a little bit different area, and I want to talk to you tonight about boundaries in relationships, uh, not just marriage, but in, in relationships, and in relationships of all different sorts. And hopefully with the help of the Lord, we can, we can understand this. Would you, if you have your Bible, would you turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse uh, 14. And I, I want to uh, start there and then we'll get to where the Lord has us to go. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 14. Now, again, I, I struggle because you, you'll catch very quickly why this verse becomes the first verse we read. But I struggled because it is a verse that I have heard all of my life and it's very easy to just take it and use it and it absolutely applies. But then, as I'm prone to do, I have to read the verse before and then that brings me to the verse before and then I start realizing that it's all in 2 Corinthians and I realize what the letter to the Corinthians meant and, and it just... So I'm going to do my very best not to turn this into a, a hermeneutical study of 2 Corinthians, but I do want to challenge you to go and read 2 Corinthians and understand it was talking about unity in a church. It was talking about making sure that the church doesn't, doesn't 
fall away into hypocrisy and fall away into uh, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. I don't want to just say I'm a Christian. I want to be a Christian. I want to make sure that, that I back up the words with actions. But this is what Paul began to write in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. For as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not any unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a daughter unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. That is a powerful verse. Let me break it down. And I, I uh, will use for the next couple of paragraphs, I will use uh, the Bible exposition commentary to kind of flesh this out so that we can get a foundation that all of us can stand with. The, the Warren Wearsby said this way, it is the nature that determines association. If I, if I start looking with who or what you associate with, it becomes a very clear understanding of what your nature is. A pig's nature says, I'm going to associate with other pigs, and they tend to like mud holes. Now, I know that I, you've probably heard, because we live in a society now where everything has to be different. And so you can't say things that always were. you got to come. I know they'll tell you that pigs are one of the cleanest animals. And I've heard it said, and you can give me all the scientific explanation you want to give me that pigs are the cleanest animals, but I will tell you this. My dad had pigs growing up, and he's told me that you can wash that pig, and you can make it all sparkly and pink like Wilbur the pig, and you can let it go, and the very first thing that old pig does is he finds the first mud puddle, and he goes and he wallers all in it, and all of your hard work goes down the drain, literally. It's the nature of the pig that associates it with the mud hole. But a sheep has a sheep's nature. And the sheep's nature is to hang out with other sheep. The sheep's nature keeps it together. It lets it munch grass there in the middle of the pasture. And you and I are going to possess one of two natures. You are going to either possess a nature that draws you into a relationship with Jesus Christ... Or you're going to possess a nature that brings you separate and separated from Jesus Christ. You are either going to have a spiritual, godly, holy nature or that old fleshly, carnal nature is going to raise its head. And so it is Paul that writes to the Corinthian church and he says, Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. What he was trying to tell them is you've got to be careful of who you associate with because who you associate with will determine your nature. See, if you were to read 2 Corinthians, you would find words such as this. Fellowship, communion, concord, or harmony, or apart, or agreement. All of those words, they have something incredibly in common. In fact, the word concord, did you hear that word when we were reading the Bible verse? Hear that word concord? We don't use that word very often. But that, that uh, I, 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 
I may be stepping on myself. I think the Second Corinthians was written in Greek. It may have been Arabic, but I think it was written in Greek. And the word, the root word that we pull the word concord is the same root word that you and I get the word symphony. Does that make sense? How many of you have ever been to a symphony or a band concert? Preferably a good one, one that sounded good. You know, one of those that there's 25 to 100 or maybe more instruments and they may all be playing a different part, but they blend together and it sounds beautiful. That is the word concord. And so the, 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 the understanding in all of this, and I, I, I hope you can catch it, is that with the things of God, there will be unity, there will be harmony, there will be a peace, uh, uh, it, will, it will be a, something that flows together. But if you get out of God's will, if you get out of God's uh, presence and you begin to walk contrary to that, it is everything that, that we just said the opposite. It is disunity. It is disharmony. It is fractured. It is broken. It, it, it doesn't mesh together. It's, it's why when you uh, have your marriage and, and you, you walk with God, the marriage can stay together. But if you ever get out of God, the marriage has a tendency to fall apart. So it is that if you try to walk with the Lord and the world at the same time, it's hard. In fact, it's impossible because you break that unity. And so Paul began to look at this and he, he, he saw contrast, righteousness and unrighteousness, light and dark, Christ and Belial. Belial is a fancy word for Satan. Belief and unbelief, uh, one God and idols. How in the world could you ever bring those opposites together? They don't mix. It's oil and water. Because the nature dictates, or rather the association will tell you the nature. And so you have this, this word yoke. And um, I, I was, I've been wanting a yoke for a long time because I'm a little weird. And I've, I've went to, uh, I've went to, to many uh, antique stores to find an old yoke. And they are usually quite expensive. And I had been looking for one because I knew I was going to preach this message. Somewhere along the line, I got on Facebook, and Facebook now has a marketplace feature. And, and I have to think it's, brother, it, it's God because um, the very first thing that popped up was a yoke for $25. And I figured I could afford that, so I now have me a yoke. I'll see where my wife allows me to hang it up at. But uh, I have a yoke. Now, this yoke is missing a few things, um, but... The, the yokes, these, these round things, they were typically made out of, out of saplings. They would go get saplings and they, could, they would steam them uh, or, or they would even, some of them would even bend them as they're growing and, and, and make it. And that's what allowed there. And so the animal's head would, would fit in there. And I need an animal. I need me a good animal. And so I need Brother Andy to come up here for a minute. And uh, I have another reason for you, Brother Andy, but come up here. Hurry, hurry, hurry. And uh, so you have these yokes. up that high. <laughs> they would take these and they would put it around the ox neck. You're the only thing that matches an ox around here. I won't put it on. And they would stick that in there. All right. Now, what that would 
is allow all of the, the weight of what they were pulling. It really was pretty comfortable. I mean, I know it looks like it was, uh, you know, around his neck, but it would rest on that shoulder of that ox. And so here's, here's what happens when it comes to a yoke. A yoke would allow, and I, I meant to tell you, Brother Tim, I, I, to, I had a video I was going to show that I'd found, uh, it looked like it was overseas, but I'd found a, a short video of a, of a two team, you know, two, two ox team plowing. And, and what it would do is those, those ox would be able to put their shoulders into it and they would be able to, to pull whatever it was, a plow or something like that. Any of you familiar with the, uh, the, the, the law of synergy? Synergy would state, and, and if, if one horse could pull a thousand pounds, uh, if one horse could pull a thousand pounds, it would seem to reason that two horses would pull two thousand pounds, right? Well, the law of synergy says that's not true. One horse can pull one thousand pounds, but when you put two horses together, they don't just double, but instead it, it, it becomes exponential, and they could potentially pull ten thousand pounds. And so you would put uh, uh, teams of oxen in these. But there are two things that begin to happen, and, and this is where I want you to pay attention. There are two things that happen when you put two animals in a yoke. The first one is a good thing. The first one is that the more mature, the, the older uh, ox or, or, or donkey or horse or whatever livestock is in there, because they are connected, can lead and guide the younger or the less experienced. And there is a really cool parable that if you begin to search and you can look for it, you can look for the story of the, of the yoke and the ox. And there's a cool story of a man who brought his servant out to the, the, the auction and they were looking for oxen. And, and the servant thought that his master was going to get the best of the best. And he didn't. He kind of waited to all the other big oxen got out of there and he took some that looked a little weak and some that looked a little frail and some that were kind of skittish and he didn't understand it all until the master showed that he could put that, that, that weaker oxen in there and together they could pull and it would allow that weaker to be stronger. That's the positive side. But the unpositive side is this. When you get two animals yoked up together... It allows the stronger to bully the weaker. What it does is it allows the one that has a uh, more impetuous nature to turn the one that really wanted to go straight. That's why the Bible says, be not unequally yoked. Come here, Sister Addie. Come here real quick, hurry. I figure if we're going to give some parables, we might as well go big or go home. Now, I'm not going to do this. But can you imagine if I could fit this on Andy's head and then I said, you're going to be the next one. Does anybody, I, I, I wouldn't do it because you're so nice, but does anybody get the mental picture of Addie five feet off the ground going, Because it would be unequally yoked. Now, for those of you that know Addie, realize she's a pretty precocious personality. And I would dare say that instead of her being four foot in the air, swinging her feet, 
Andy would be five feet on the ground doing whatever Sister Addie says. Be not unequally yoked. Thank you, Sister Addie. You stay there. I can't hold that and this at the same time. Here, you can put that back in there. So one of the phrases... One of the phrases when it comes to yokes, and I think we need to just hit it for just a moment. One of the phrases comes from Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. And it says, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And the understanding is the weight and that captivity that sin puts on us. When, when, when Satan came into the Garden of Eden... And when, when Adam and Eve sinned, if I want you to get this mental picture. When Adam and Eve sinned, there was a yoke put on humanity and it allowed Satan to pull us and buffet us wherever he wanted us to go. But I'm so thankful that on the cross of Calvary, when the blood was shed, not only did he say, I forgive you of your sins, but he came and he freed you from that yoke. And so Jesus says, if you've been free, don't go back. Don't go back to that yoke. Don't go back to that place where the devil has, in fact, another parable says, lay not, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and can steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't corrupt and thieves can't break through or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If the light of the body is the eye, and we preached about this, if therefore your eye be single, then your whole body shall be of light. But if your the eye is evil, then your whole body shall be full of darkness. If the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? And here it is. But no man can serve two masters. For he will either hate the one or love the other, or else he will hold on to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now that verse and that passive scripture is very much dealing with money and possessions and greed and covetedness and I think we need to see it first in that light. But the principle is this, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot be yoked to the world on one side and try to be yoked to God in the other side. Do you remember that verse in the Bible that says, take my yoke upon you for my burden is light. Let me tell you what that means. How many of you have ever tried to carry something heavy, a couch or a, or a piano or something crazy like that, and you get four or five people and you all get ready to grab a side, and it's real easy. You ever done that? And if you're lucky, you get the part where you don't really have anything to hold. And all the other guys are holding the weight, but you're looking good. That's take my yoke upon me. If you'll be yoked to God, I mean, if me and Andy put our, put our, our necks in this, I'm kind of convinced that I could do a lot more because I got him pulling with me. But you cannot be yoked both to the world and to God. It just doesn't work that way. And so I want to tell you, I want to take you to three, uh, 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 four, four areas of life that you need to be careful and you need to have boundaries on who you get yoked up with. Now I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of time to go in all of these. I'm going to hit them and I'm going to allow the visual image of this to preach more perhaps than what my words can preach. 
when we got into the boundaries of our of ourselves, the boundaries of what we hear, the boundaries of what we say, I made mention of a, a biblical story in 2 Samuel chapter 13. And I, I, I linked it to a sermon I heard as a young person from Brother Jerry Jones entitled, Ammon Had a Friend. And, and if you would have your Bibles and you can turn there, I would love for you to. I can't, I can't go through it all, especially in, in light of a mixed congregation. But I think it would be good for you to see it. But what it is, it tells us that Absalom, who was the son of David, had a, a sister now, now, David had several different wives, and so their families were very large, and, and, and if you will, it was probably a stepsister more than anything else. But, but Absalom had a, 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 a sister named Tamar, and Ammon, another son of, of David, became infatuated with Tamar. Now, everything about that screams, that's not right. There's no place in, in, in relationships for incest or, or interbreeding or anything like that. But Ammon became so infatuated with Tamar that he, he literally made himself sick and he didn't know what to do. And the Bible says, but Ammon had a friend. And that friend got a hold of him. His name was Jonadab. And, and he was a cousin to Ammon. And the Bible says that Jonadab was a very subtle man, meaning he just knew how to kind of word things right. And what happened was Ammon and Jonadab Jonadab got linked up. Remember what I said a yoke does? A yoke allows one to bully the other. One's voice was louder than the other. One's counsel was was greater than the other. Somebody's spirit was weaker. And so because of that, Ammon fell prey to that subtle uh, uh, temptation and push from Jonadab and some incredibly horrible things begin to happen. Can I just tell you, and again, I'm just using this visual image to burn in your mind. You better be careful who your friends are. Now, lest anybody look at me and think I'm trying to tell you you can't have any friends that, that, that don't attend this church. That's not what I'm talking about. I've got a lot of acquaintances. I've got a lot of friends. But I have to be very careful who I link up with. Oh, I know that it's easy for us to say, well, I'm strong enough. I was a youth pastor for four and a half years, my wife and I. Now I've pastored nine and a half years. And I've uh, uh, been an evangelist for, for three and a half years. You can add all those up. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people, they look me right in the eye and they say, well, I'm strong enough to handle it. And then the next thing I see is them caught in that yoke being led away by something stronger and something greater and a bully. Better be careful. Now, it's easy to look at our children. It's easy to look at our young people and say, listen up, young people. He's talking to you, and it's true. Those moments in your school, those moments in your neighborhoods, the, the, these critical times of your, of your growth and your adolescence and your development, it's critical uh, that, that who you listen to your friends. But I'm going to tell you, I see it more often now in us adults. Be careful who you yoke up with. Because if they don't have the same desires as you have, 
somebody's going to win. Now, for every person that's strong enough to, to, to buck that and pull it, I can show you thousands that didn't. Who are you listening to? What counsel do you have? And, and you're going to hear me make this, you're going to hear me make this statement several times. If the ones you're yoked up with are leading you away from the things of God, you're lost. That's the easiest answer I have to that. If you have a, 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 a relationship with a friend, and I'm not meaning at all in a boyfriend, girlfriend, I'm talking about just you've got a really good friend. If that relationship with that friend does not lead you closer to God or at least doesn't pull you away, at least you can be steady. If you look at that relationship and you start saying, every time I'm with that person, I'm going this way. When my, when my, my, uh, uh, my, my wife, you'll have to ask my wife this story, but yesterday I believe it was, she was at the post office and there was two people in line and they were connected. They were in a relationship. And, and, and the way that that person talked when they were with the, the person, because they, they were all in lines and those two were together. My wife said the way they talked was completely different when that one person walked away. And, and when your relationships, when, when you realize every time I'm with this person, my talk changes, my walk changes, then you're unequally yoked. And you're going to be in a heap of trouble. I don't have a lot of time to talk about this one. But I've seen it in action. And I think it bears mentioning. And again, just look at that visual image. Better be careful who you link up in business with. I, I know some of you, because you've told me, you, you've worked at places where they've done things underhanded or maybe they've even done things illegal and, and you've come to me and you've said, you know what, I can't be in that anymore because I, I don't like the way they do business. Thank you for understanding there's some things you just don't get linked up with. And if you're going to go into business with someone that doesn't have the same morals and the same values that you have and you become unequally yoked, one of you's going to lose. So let me just leave that out there and you can take it. Be careful of your business partnerships. It doesn't take a leap of faith to realize where we go to the next one. Be careful of your dating relationships. I, I'm going to get somewhere in just a minute and we'll, we'll, we'll spend some time. But just let me ask you this. And, and I realize that it, it's going to deal more towards the, the teenagers and the young adults, although uh, it, it happens in all walks of life now, in all ages. You better be careful who you start linking up with when you start looking forward to that marriage part. Because that's one of the strongest yokes you'll ever put yourself in. When, when you get in that dating relationship, let me ask you something. How's your church attendance in that dating relationship? Even when you're both in church. 
When, when I start seeing somebody yoke up in a relationship and all of a sudden their church attendance begins to drop, what I'm realizing is they're in an unequally yoked relationship and they're being led astray. Does that, does that relationship that you're in, does it lead you towards your family or does it pull you away from your family? If that relationship pulls you away from your family, you're in an unequally yoked relationship. And if that relationship starts by pulling you away from family, then if a marriage comes out of it, there will be no family values for you to build upon. You might not like it, but it's right. Does that relationship lead you away from your friends and cause you to be an isolated island? Or does it allow for relationships with both of your friends? Be careful who you link up with. Parents always told me in dating that, that I, I, when I date, I'm, I'm dating the one that I potentially can marry. Their understanding was you don't just date to go have fun. The, the process of courting is it, it's going to lead most likely to a marriage. And so you don't, just, you don't just date or court. You've got to realize that that potentially could be the one you're to spend the rest of your life with. If you look in your Bible... There, there, there's, there's two books, it's really four because they divided them, but it's two books, the Chronicles and the Kings. And in those Chronicles and those Kings, the writer doesn't pull any punches. In fact, I could, I could show, it, it talks about Asa, King Asa, he did that which was good in the eyes of the Lord. How many of you have ever heard something like that? You know, he did good in the eyes of the Lord. Or you could say, you, you could read, Jehoshaphat departed not from it, from doing what was right. Sounds great. And Joash and Uzziah and Hezekiah and, and Josiah. And there were some others in those chronicles and kings that reigned uprightly. They, they did what is right. But as much as, as the Bible lauds those that did what was right, it pulls no punches when it tells you about the ones that did wrong. For example, it says things like this. It says that when Rehoboam had established the kingdom, he forsook the law of the Lord. That's a pretty emphatic uh, condemnation. And that Ahazi, Ahazi, he also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab to do wickedly. And there are other examples we could use. There's other places we could go. But I want you just to stop for a moment at this king named Jehoram. And it's because with that king Jehoram, there is a statement that begins to make or an explanation. And it says this. He walked... As did the house of Ahab, for he had the daughter of Ahab as his wife, and he wrought that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 21 and 6. I find it very interesting that in, in, in talking about Jehoram's failure 
And in another place it says he died without being desired. I mean, at least you'd like to think that when you die, people can come to your, your, your funeral and at least lie and say you were a good person. I mean, you'd at least hope that, that they'll, they'll at least kind of fib and make you look good. But when he died, there wasn't one person that, that, that had anything to say about him. He, he, he died despised. He died uh, uh, without being desired because of one Big mistake. He married a worldly woman, Ahab's daughter. Now maybe that doesn't make sense to you until you realize who Ahab's wife was, Jezebel. The Bible says this, 1 Kings chapter 21, that there was none like unto Ahab who did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. Now, we've always talked about Jezebel and her spirit, but there's biblical proof that Ahab did what his wife told him to do. The reason Ahab was a horrid man was because he had married a horrid woman. Just putting it out there. That's King James right there. Let me read it again. There was none like unto Ahab who did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. And uh, one commentator wrote this when it came time for that. He said, unholy alliances always lead to compromise and spiritual disaster. Which is why Paul says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. One of the, my pastor friends, pastors in Kansas City, his name is Gary Dornbach. On Friday, March the 15th, back in 2013, he had tweeted something, and I, I grabbed it. Now, he was pulling. They were, they were in a, a marriage and parenting seminar by uh, one of our ministers by the name of Robert Kurz, who, who is a licensed counselor, and he had made the statement, but Gary Dornbach had, had grabbed hold of it, and I like it. He said this. If my, Robert Kurz, when he, when he was teaching, said this. If my wife and kids follow my speech my actions and my temperament, will they get closer to God or farther away? Now think about that for a minute. If my, Brandon Buford, that's me. If my wife, Brianne, my son, Zane, wherever he is, my daughter, Zoe, and now Zeke, if they follow what I say, if they follow what I do, if they follow how I act and how I behave myself, will I have led them closer to God or farther away? Now, I'll probably come back to that when we talk about boundaries in marriage and some other things, boundaries of parenting. But there's a, anytime you make a statement like that, there is an unspoken opposite statement. Is the person I'm connected to leading me towards God or away from God it would do you and I well to put some boundaries in our relationship and remember that when the Bible says don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers it wasn't just a pretty Bible verse there's a visual image that you need to see 
and that is when you get in that yoke with somebody, when you get in that relationship, how be it a friend, a business partner, a dating or a marriage, whatever it might be, when you get in that relationship, the potential is always there for the stronger to pull the weaker. And I know, because I've, I've walked this road too many times. There's somebody here right now that in your mind, you're, you're looking at your relationship, and, 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 and I kind of maybe stepped on your toe a little bit. And, and in your mind, you're saying, but I'm the stronger. I can handle this. The very fact that you linked up with the world in the first place proves you're not the stronger. Let me say it again just so that I make sure they get it on, on, on video and they get it on recording so that I can play it back when you get into a place. I, I told my pastor, Brother, Brother Graham, he's who I call when I, I have questions and issues. And this is what Brother Graham told me, Brother Bob. We, we were talking about situation. And he, he said, I've told people, since you made this decision whatever it is, without involving your pastor. And this happened to do with a marriage that took place when they didn't even bother to ask the pastor what they thought about that marriage. And he said, said when, when you, since you, 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 you got into that situation, you got into that yoke without the pastor, without talking, without even seeing if it's kind of a good thing for you to do. And now things are going south. Now you have to understand, Brother, brother Graham, he, he, he can can have one of them just caustic personalities when he wants to. He says, since you didn't ask me when you started it, don't ask me to get involved when it's falling apart. Now, he would then smile and say, but come in my office and let's talk about it because he's a good man. But the point is this. If you're already linking up with the world, that tells me the world is stronger in your life than the pull of the things of God. And if you're already willing, watch this. If I, as an individual, am willing without anybody making me to stick my head in a yoke that nobody made me get into, don't you think once I'm in that yoke, it's going to be a natural thing just to keep pulling me in the direction I was going to begin with. I want us to stand today. Those boundaries are so important. I could... I've given you Bible. I've given you a parable. And I'm not going to do it, but I could give you hundreds of examples of people that got yoked up and once they got yoked up they realized they couldn't unyoke themselves and they went down a path they didn't want to go but I'd just like to just tell you right now that boundaries are so important in our lives and the key is you can put some boundaries in your relationships 
that will keep you from getting yoked up with an, with with the things that are wrong. And so instead of trying to fix the train wreck, you just never get on that track to begin with. And so what I want to do right now, just as they play, I'd like you just to close your eyes, not asking you to come to the front, not asking you to, to do anything other than close your eyes and you and God have a talk. And I want you to be very, very specific with God and say, Lord, is there any unequal yokes in my life? Are there any relationships that I need to be aware of? Because God, I realize my soul is the most important thing. And God, I, I don't want to, to get connected with something that has the potential to pull me away from you. Whether it's the friends and the, the, the peer pressure situations that I get into, whether it's business partnerships and whether it's dating relationships or Lord, even marriage. I pray right now that you would open my eyes. Let me realize that there are some yokes that are very dangerous. Some yokes that they're going to lead me astray. I'm not strong enough to pull. Not strong enough to fight back. But Lord, on the flip side of that, I realize the importance of a yoke. That God really, the, the purpose of the yoke should be a positive thing. That together we can do more. Together we can go forward. Together we can work for you. And so, Lord, the flip side of that is thank you for telling me where, what I should be aware of. And thank you for, for guiding me away from things that would have the potential to destroy. But, Lord, I do want you to lead me to those relationships that bring me closer to you. That together it causes us to be greater for your kingdom. That together that friendship or that partnership or that relationship, God, together we do more for you than we even could apart because some yokes are worth getting into sometimes I need someone to help bear my load and bear my burden so I pray that you would help me see what's right and what's wrong put a fence around the things let me see those boundaries very clear Lord you might even have to put rumble strips to wake me up so I realize I'm getting dangerously close to something I ought not get involved in. And I'll give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I pray that you'll, not that my sermon was perfect or anything to write home about, but I pray you never forget the visual image. And you be careful who you get yoked up with. Because God says don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Would you go with God? Would you go with His mercy? And we'll see you Sunday in Jesus' name.